All right. Unfortunately, this will be the third time that <laughs> this guest gets to hear the intro to this one. Um, but man, I'm so happy to have my friend Mike Gallagher say hello. How's it going? Um, I changed it up on him because I literally am recording the third intro to episode number 46 because uh, just keep having some issues. But I wanted to make sure he didn't have to sit bored again without saying hello. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're really, really excited to be back on. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since the last episode. Um, why is that? Well, why is that? See, the thing is, is you already know because you've heard me go through it. <laughs> and I'm going to make it a little bit more brief and be a little <laughs> less lawyery than I was in the last verse, which is probably for the best because I feel like it was a little dry, a little boring. Yeah. Well, so I to nerd out on what... I'm still in shock <laughs> that you're a Kanye fan. Like that, I'm still Oh, like, yeah. What? Well, that should not be a shock to you. I mean, I own like six different pairs of his shoes, all bootleg versions, but... <laughs> um, yeah. Do you own the white t-shirt? I don't own the white t-shirt. <laughs> I own a white t-shirt that is a Kanye shirt, yes. Um, yeah, so uh, unfortunately, you know, part of uh, doing this podcast is the debate over fair use of the music that we play. Um, because of the structure of the way that I run this podcast from um, the way that we use the music as a point of discussion, as a point of criticism and exploration of the content and the art itself and the meaning behind it, that's that dissection that's used for an educational and discussionary purpose. I'm not making money off of the podcast. I have zero intentions of making money off the podcast. For me, it's purely an exploration of the relationship that people have to music and why those stories and connections begin. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's a great way for people to learn more about um, different songs or artists that they might otherwise not have heard on top of learning more, of course, about the people that pick the songs that they have. Um, not everybody always agrees with that. And in the last episode, um, Universal Music Group did not agree. And so that episode is uh, no longer on the SoundCloud. Uh, so that's the second episode I've had to cut out. But, you know, that's okay. The first one was because I lost the files. Um, but, User error. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> had a lot of that lately. Uh, but, you know, I think that something that I was sharing with Mike before we started that I think is really uh, a good part of this exercise is actually listening to the songs. Uh, and I find that both for the listeners, for the guests, uh, and then also for myself, um, getting in the headspace of what the music can do, uh, hearing it yourself, and then reflecting on what overlaps you might feel or what stories you might tell as you hear it uh, versus the ones that, of course, get shared by the guests on each episode. Um, I love that part of it, and I don't want to lose it. And so I, I hope that I'm continuing to able to fairly use... Um, the creator's work. Uh, if not, then, you know, we'll figure out a way to adjust because I love doing it. 46 episodes in and hopefully no time stopping. But all that being said, just wanted to call that out in case you were wondering what happened to 45. Um, oh God, <laughs> uh, 45, not a good number. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you want to hear it, just hit me up and I'll uh, let you know how to go after it. It's a really good one. Um, but this is going to be a great one, too, and I'm so glad you're listening no to it. No pressure on me, right? No pressure on Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Mike is um, somebody who you know, I met within the past year, um, and we've become friends through the amazing hobby and activity and sport and athleticism of rock climbing. We had our first uh, outside climb together in yeah, Texas. Yeah, our that inaugural cool. outdoor climb. It was that great. That was cool. Uh, I think we both made it up one mm -hmm. round. And we both bailed on one round, mm -hmm. and they were flipped, right? Yep, they were. They were. 
Uh, I remember being very terrified yep. uh, as we burned in the sun on that rock in the green belt. God, when uh, was that? Was that September? Uh, I think it was probably September, yeah, or August yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, it was a fun, fun climb. Um, man, I, I feel I, I was, I, I was a, a little embarrassed <coughs> to see you tonight because it's, one, it's been so long. Hey, um, you keep paying for your <laughs> membership, and I keep going, why? <laughs> we need to see him at the gym more. Um, yeah, and I just haven't, I, you know, I, I just haven't been able to fix my schedule in a way that has gotten me out to the gym as, as much as I'd like to. Um, you know we're there open-armed. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'll be back. Um, yeah, i got to figure that out. Usually um, we go on Friday evenings to this gym. Uh, then I think you guys go Sunday as well and, yep. and everything. Tuesday nights. And it's great. And anyone that's considering starting the rock climbing habit, highly Should. recommend. It's so much fun. It is. I'm not, a, I'm not a gym person. And yeah. it's like the one gym, quote unquote, activity that yeah. uh, I find really entertaining and like worthwhile. And Yep. I 100% agree. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um, so thank you for welcoming me into that um, with all of our good friends and um it's just, it's really cool. So I got to get back out there. Yes. But yeah, it might be time to downgrade my membership to a punch card. <laughs> uh, well, you're going to have to pass it by the board yeah. because we're all paying a great rate now. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, we all pay less because I'm on it. And then, yeah, uh, well, I'll have to find my replacement, I guess. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's cool to be able to have you on here. Um, you sent over the songs um, a couple days ago. And I think we've kind of pushed dates around with South by Southwest and travel, uh, travel work and work and schedule and, and whatnot. So you've had a lot of time to kind of like you oh, know, I, decide. I was, what's that been like for you? Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> and I know you take complete delight in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been like uh, a assignment from a teacher that I'm just wanting to like <laughs> wring their neck. But oddly enough, I was actually going to send you like 10 songs. And say, yeah, you choose. Mm. And I thought about it. I was like, that's really not the exercise that Harrison's going for here. So I'll take my medicine and pick my three songs and go forward. I love it. And Um, I'm so glad you recognize that because you wouldn't have been the first person somebody to try that. Uh, And I told him no. (laughs) And he's not welcome on the podcast until he narrows it down to three. Yeah. (laughs) That's the rules. It's, uh, it's difficult because um, I think inherently everybody, whether they admit it or not, are music people. Music in yeah. some way really attaches itself to our lives, uh, whether we want it to or not. Um, so it was, it, was a real, uh, it was a real meditation of sorts to sit there and like have this, this uh, breathing list that was constantly changing. Yeah, because, you know, certain, although funny enough, the first song I chose that you're going to play mm-hmm. never changed. Ah, that was the one you knew for sure. That was the one yeah. I knew for sure. Everyone always has that. Yeah. Like everybody always has the one song that they kind of knew right away and doesn't change. And then the next two is where it gets dicey. It, it, what I'm, what I'm, the question I'd have about that is like that song is something from my childhood. Mm. And I wonder if for other people, if that's if it's always a childhood, song. a childhood uh, connection. I bet so. Because I think people always, um, people by nature enjoy some nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And, and um, childhood is one of those things that like 
your memory deteriorates over time, and so you you definitely seek out that very specific yeah. thing. And I think that we actively try to remember bits of our childhood probably more so than other parts of our life. I totally agree with uh, that. Especially as you get older and your parents age, and you start to reflect on your relationship with your parents, and the bulk of that is earned during childhood experience. Yeah, I could. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, but you feel like you nailed the other two. Uh, I think I, I think I did. Um, the last one I definitely did. The the yeah. the second song is a. Um, it's kind of a culmination of, you know, what the, I like all kinds of music. Oddly enough, um, from classical to rap to punk, but you know, punk is definitely in my marrow. Yeah, and uh, that's. That, but that was hard, you know, because there are so many good punk songs. And one, the one that I chose is one that I'm um, really impressed by right now, especially yeah. with what's going on just in the country in general. And yeah. um, it really, like the lyrics to me, really signify and really express how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that was kind of the, my motivation for choosing it. That's um, cool. Cause it's like, you've, you've kind of picked something then, um, that maybe in please in <laughs> three years, uh, won't be as relevant right, um, right. to you that then maybe there'd be another one you'd slot in, or maybe it will be just as irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Um, but I do like the idea and I think it's freeing when you try to pick out the three is that, Hey, it's going to change and evolve. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the point. And I think that, you know, it's, it's fun to, think back yeah. on that and figure out why you picked the ones that you did. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Should be good. Yeah, I hope so. Um, well with that, I'd say let's start with the first one, cool. um, which we'll get to this, but it's not a Cat Stevens song. <laughs> it's actually a Harry Chapin song and the song is called cats in the cradle. Here we go. I was away and he was talking for I knew it and as he grew he'd say I'm gonna be like you dad you know I'm gonna be like you and the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon little boy blue and the man on the phone when you're coming home dad I don't know when but we'll get together then you know we'll have a good time I'm gonna be like him, yeah, you know I'm gonna be like him. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. The 
really came from college just the other day So much like a man I just had to say Son, I'm proud of you, can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile What I'd really like, Dad, is the bar of the car keys See you later, can I have them, please? And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Son, I don't know when But we'll get together then Dad, you know we'll have a good time then I've long since retired My son's moved away I called him up just the other day Said I'd like to see you if you don't mind He said I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids are the flu But it's your nice talking to you, Dad It's been your nice talking to you And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me He'd grown up just like me My boy was just like me Silver spoon, little boy blue, and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. Dad, we're gonna have a good time there. All right, that was Cats in the Cradle. Um, which when you first sent it over, not by Cat Stevens, you said it was Cat Stevens, <laughs> um, which is kind of hilarious. Cause you're like, this was the song that I knew right away. Uh, it's actually by Harry Chapin. Um, but as we were chatting about earlier, um, cause I, I didn't want to catch you off guard and be like live. Oh, by the way, did you realize <laughs> by the way. Cat Stevens? So we already kind of discussed it, but for the listeners, um, you know, it's it's actually really miscommonly identified as a Cat Stevens song. So obviously, Cat is in the name um, of the song, and so I think that's probably the first association. Uh, Harry Chapin. This is a 1974 track. That's like right when Cat Stevens was huge and everywhere. You know, early 70s. Um, very that kind of you know folky Americana sound, of course. Um, and you know, even when we were listening to it, you were like. Uh, you know, it's it's cool to hear the Harry Chapin version, but I don't think Cat Stevens ever actually yeah, recorded no. a version. And in fact, when I was trying to look it up um, in prep for the episode, um, I couldn't find it on Spotify because I was searching Cats in the Cradle, Cat Stevens, and nothing was coming up. So I went to YouTube and found it on YouTube, and somebody had posted it, Cat Stevens, Cats in the Cradle. Um, so I'm listening to it, I was like, oh yeah, it sounds like Cat Stevens, this is great. Uh, and then I'm researching the song, and then I see um, this whole interview from Cat Stevens, um, and he has this quote. He says, you know, this song has been haunting me for years <laughs> since people <laughs> think that I wrote it. Um, oh. He says, you know, it uh, reflects the dilemma of many homes, and it's a beautiful song. So he was a big fan of it, but I think that people for decades have been mentioning it as a song of his that that they really love do you think harry and chapin sits at home drinking whiskey shaking his head just what you know, happened to my career i think yeah <laughs> i think he, there's probably some bitterness but i think they probably made amends i think he actually ended up winning um 
he's gotten some awards and some recognition and probably inducted into some sort of, yeah. so I think Harry did just fine. Um, and you know, cat obviously went on to be remembered, um, very strongly changed his name, of course, to Yusuf Islam. Yep. Um, and completely disappeared from music. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that he had, uh, when he first converted, um, he actually auctioned off all of his guitars and all the money, 100% straight to charity. Really? And then spent the next 25 years devoted to um, practicing his new religion and, um, you know, all of the Muslim connections and communities that he became a part of and embracing that um, through his new identity. Um, And then came back in 2006 um, as Yusuf and continued to release music and I think still tours today under wow. Yusuf and I, I, I don't know all the specifics but I'm pretty sure he still goes back and plays a lot of his Cat Stevens songs but as far Not as I Cats know in the cradle. <laughs> he's never played Cats in the Cradle uh, which I think is hilarious that um that you picked it and um well i'm glad i'm not the only one yeah i said like yeah like growing up my dad listened to cat stevens and he played this song and i just associated it right with cat stevens (laughs) because he's listening to cat stevens all the time yeah yeah and so it made sense it fits right in i mean yeah yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) so funny that's wild well my life's been a lie on so many levels now. No, no, no. Now it just takes on new meaning. Yeah. I mean, maybe Harry Chapman's discography is just out there waiting for you to, to discover and right? a whole new thing. <laughs> well, I think, you know, what, what Cat Steven, you know, said about the song is um, my, my father, I, you know, we talked about, um, you know, as, as we age, we start to grab onto those things from childhood. Yes. Um, and even more so, I've, I think about my parents a lot. Um, especially, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in Texas, they live in California. So there's, uh, is it Northern or Southern? Northern. Okay. And there's a great, you know, a landmass between us. Um, but also there's, there's life. And the thing that my dad, when, when I was growing up, he, uh, he remembers, I grew up in a very Catholic family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so church on Sundays was a big thing. Yeah. And this song made a huge impact on my father. Um, my father and mother had my sister when they were, I think, 27, 28 years old. And uh, five years later, they adopted me. Three years after that, they adopted my brother. And then they had uh, my younger brother, uh, who's got Downs. Um, and I think, you know, in the song, my, d- my dad talks about this priest who actually played this song for a homily. Hmm. and went verse by verse. What is a homily? Homily is when um, uh, a priest reads the gospel okay. and everybody sits down. It's like the big reading of a mass and okay. uh, then he gives his interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, so he plays this in the background as he's reading? No, so he scripture? actually brought out a guitar. He had read the scripture and he sa- and he apparently went and said, you know, I'm going to play you a song. Yeah. I'm going to describe the song. It actually goes along with this gospel I read. Okay, wow. And it made an impact on my father. Um, and I think part of it is my dad um, was a son of immigrants. And he, you know, put himself or went into the, uh, got into college, ROTC program, um, married my mom, had a kid, adopted another kid, adopted another kid, had another kid. And I think life just kind of yeah. took off. That's a lot of responsibility. And right. A lot of things to take on. And he traveled a lot. Um, when, uh, we were, when we were growing up and I think there's, um, a lot of guilt and remorse around Mm -hmm. that. And, 
this song really, you know, when you listen to the lyrics, is a father feeling guilty, but also it's transitioning over to the son as the son's growing up. The son, I want to be just like you. Mm. And he becomes just like his father. You know, he's working, he's doing stuff. Mm. He's letting that stuff go by the wayside because these other quote unquote important things um, are coming up and he has responsibilities. And as I grew up and I was married and got divorced and I kind of, I think adopted those Hmm tendencies um, from being like my dad. I mean, I looked up to my dad. I mean, most yeah. sons, most sons do. Right. Um, and I remember my dad had a, he got an infection, um, oddly enough, gardening, um, doing some like <laughs> trimming for my mom and he got like a scratch and he got this really bad infection that put him in the hospital and like, they were kind of like, uh, I don't know if he's going to make it. Oh, and, um, is this when you were still living at home or, uh, no, I was, uh, I mean, I was 33, 34, okay. 35 maybe. Yeah. Um, and I remember going in to the hospital and my dad was a little woozy and uh, drugged up clearly. And he said to me, he like took my hand and he said, if I could do it all over again, I'd do it different. Hmm. He's like, none of this stuff's important. And it was like, like relieving to hear. And, uh, my sister who is like works for Oracle and she's like a VP and mm. just career woman, single mom. She's a badass. Yeah. You know, I said, to, I said to her, she, we're talking, she's like, Oh, I'm coming down tomorrow to see dad. Have you seen him? I said, yeah, I, I talked to them yesterday and she's like, Oh, what do you say? And I, I told her <laughs> what, yeah. what he said. And she goes, are you fucking serious? Like it was almost like her whole life. That moment, oh, yeah. her whole life. That moment was a lie, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it really put things in perspective for her and I, um, as far as how we really did emulate our father and we drive ourselves um, day in and day out. And that song is, it's a warning, really, um, of what happens. You know, I mean, living in California and moving to Texas made me realize, man, I was I was burning the wick at both ends and trying to just make ends meet. And yeah. like, somehow convinced myself California was the only place, you know? And then right, I right. arrive in Texas and I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. Oh uh, yeah. There's other places. There's other there. places. And, uh, it doesn't cost as much. To be a good one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a, that, that song has always been a song that I have reminded myself of, you know, I want to be like my dad, but my dad doesn't want me to be like him. Yeah. You know, he wants me to be, present and there for the people I'm supposed to be there for. And I, I can see it when I'm with him, like when we're as a family together, the four of us and my mom and dad, he's very present. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he should ever like really regret that. I mean, what are you going to do when you have four kids, you know, type of a thing? Like none of us hold any animosity right towards him you know it's like if anything i probably could have been a cooler kid <laughs> not such a shit <laughs> so uh it's uh it's it's a cool it's it's a cool thing to know that that song meant a lot to my dad and in turn like it means a lot to yeah, me yeah it takes on reason. a meaning for yourself as mm-hmm. well do you um you know since the event of, of your dad so he survived and, mm-hmm. and did well uh, after that so your relationship to him strengthened through that 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, do you, f- do you guys openly communicate about that and reflect on it as such? Or no, but is it we, more of just an unspoken thing. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, oddly enough, I think for men, there's a lot of unspoken yes. um, stuff. And my my dad's very good about and always been very good about, you know, like, I love you. You know, like he's never shied away from that. Yeah. Um, he gets really teary eyed when the four four of his kids are together and we're busting his balls. You know, he thinks it's the best thing in the world. (laughs) Um, but I think one of the things that strengthened from that is when I moved, you know, when I went through my divorce and then, um, subsequently, you know, got a job offer with my company to move to Texas. Um, he helped me pack up and he wanted to do this road trip together. And so we had this amazing road trip where, uh, we covered, you know, a lot of ground in three days. And it's mostly because I was driving 95 with the trailer and my Jesus. father was driving 55 <laughs> and I was like, I really enjoy driving, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, we get to, uh, we get to Austin and we're unloading and he sits down and he's like, man, he's like, we covered a lot of ground in three days going 55 miles an hour. And I looked down and I said, well, you were going 55. <laughs> I was going 95. He's like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> and I just started laughing. Like, Bill, I mean, do you really think we would have made it as far as we yeah. did if we had gone your speed the whole way here? Yeah. Um, but what was great is I saw these. Uh, I saw this side of my dad that um, I think was something that he had um, shelved mm. when he had a family, mm-hmm. and it was things like, you know, we were in um, Arizona, and my dad said, uh, "He's like, hey, let's get some burritos tonight." And I was like, "All right." He's like, "I love burritos." Now, mind you. Never seen my dad eat a burrito ever in my life. So I was a little like at, you know, 39 years old going, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get burritos. And we're sitting there. We're waiting for the burritos. And he sees a liquor store across the street. And he's like, I think we need a six pack of Negro Modelo. I love Negro Modelo. Yes. I have never seen my dad drink a Negro Modelo, right? I'm just like, I am like beside myself losing like for all these years. Oh, yeah. And he like, he was the happiest person I imagine like that must have been like when he was at New Mexico University yeah. of New Mexico going to college like yeah. eating burritos drinking right. Modellos, chilling out you know right. um, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of really enjoyable um, but also like you know we were getting on each other's nerves like yeah of course you know my dad at one point goes into the uh, uh, motel that we're gonna stay at and checks in and comes out of the parking lot and I've got this huge Toyota Tundra with this trailer on the back and my dad's screaming about around at the parking lot where I should park. And I'm like, I'm a grown ass man. And my father can still fucking embarrass me. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's, uh, I'd say like, there's just a lot of stuff around that song that, you know, makes me not want to lose who I am. Yeah. Uh, as I, you know, get older and, you know, if I am, get married again and have kids, like it, I realized the lesson that maybe my father was trying to teach my brothers and I and my sister is like, you know, be who you are and, yeah. you know, have your responsibilities, but, you know, don't, don't forget who you are and what yeah. you do and what you love. Cause there's a balance that's required. To, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's actually, uh, it's cool to hear you share that about kind of connecting with your dad later on in life. And then that kind of reality of like, a, I had no idea you like this mm-hmm. or that. And I mean, I've, I've shared this with people before and talking about the podcast and one of the reasons why I do it. And I do have a goal of interviewing my family members and particularly my parents, of course, but I'm very intimidated by doing it because of the similar reason in the sense of like, you know, 
uh, certainly some people do, but I think a lot of people, most people probably don't know their parents as they existed prior to being parents. Um, or even during that, but the very non-parental feelings or things that they shared in their life. Uh, and I think it's cool. I think that music is kind of a way to maybe circumvent some of that and, um, generate some of that conversation, uh, and explore it and get to know them better. And yeah, I mean, you know, you, you love your family Mm -hmm. more than most, um, Mm -hmm. people that you interact with. Uh, and you do that of course, because they're your family. Right. Um, and then when you love your family, but you also love the individual that they are too, beyond being a family member, um, which I think that, you know, no one would say that they don't love their family. I mean, well, maybe some people would for various reasons, right? right? But um, the having the opportunity to get to know your mother, or your father, or even your sister, or your brother, in a way outside of the context of that I, I is think that's, fascinating. that's... You know, I, I would encourage you to like really yeah. push that on your family or yeah. push that for your family to do. But and one of the reasons is is like I realized that in in hindsight, what was happening with my father um, on that road trip is he was, for lack of a better um, term, he was making himself vulnerable to his oldest son. Yeah, and you know, exposing things that you know maybe he thought I knew, but like apparently my dad likes country music. Never knew. When listen to Simon and Garfunkel, Cat Stevens, right? Like, uh, that, those are not the things that uh, yeah. that came up. But um, it was it was one of those trips. By like the end of it, I really saw the the humanness of my father. Yeah. I mean, even at one point, he's like, we were unpacking boxes. I was like, just a couple more boxes. He just looks at me. He's like, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm gonna go to the hotel and I'm gonna fly home tomorrow. Like it was just. Yeah. At that moment, he was an adult. He and he was my father, and, and yeah. he was like, yeah. this is your business now. Right. You unpack. That's great. And now, yeah, yeah. Vulnerability being the key word. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, yeah, it's just an uh, important growth part of all the relationships mm-hmm. that we carry in our life of finding those windows of vulnerability. And I think that could be some of the most fruitful parts of it. Well, I think our parents get to see us be vulnerable and be human. Mm-hmm. And we never get to see them if they're, you know, good parents because they're putting their whatever aside yeah so that they set an example i mean they're a rock for you yeah and a foundation um i mean i was losing my shit when i was packing up to leave like just it's uprooting and grounding for me and i just like remember thinking back like my dad just back to me packing up the box i'm like i'm sure in his head he's like this kid's fucking crazy (laughs) you know (laughs) still but you know whatever yeah Oh, that's cool. That's a sounds like a very special. Do you remember um, listening to music on that road trip? We just had country stations on. Yeah, it's and just it, all radio. Yeah, it was all radio, and it was really nice. Like, yeah. and, and that's odd for me because I really am somebody who likes to plug in Spotify right, or right. have like, you know, the same album I've been playing for ten years. You yeah, kind of going. Um, and no, it was just we just rolled in whatever state we were in and found a country station, and um, there was a lot of. A lot of science, but oddly enough, like a lot of my dad spent, you know, he went to University of New Mexico. He was an ROTC and my dad gave a lot of history lessons to me about like the areas we were in. Oh, like that's he, cool. Yeah. And he was in, um, he, you know, his, his whole work life, he was in um, telecommunication and kind of at the, at the forefront of the internet and all that stuff, working with these guys, not Al Gore, 
but people who created the internet. <laughs> right, right. And he had these amazing stories. And I'm sitting here going, my dad like is friends with people that actually yeah, did this stuff. History, yeah. And we were driving by the cell tower and he gives this history lesson on the cell tower in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. And he's like, this was like a terrorist act that happened on U.S. soil where they basically downed this tower. Yeah. And he's like, the guy that I ended up working for was the guy that said, you know, we need to have something outside of right. the, the communication network we have. And I'm like, God damn, you know so much. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Well, should we go to the next song? Yeah, we should, for sure. All right. Um, so this one is going to be a more recent one. It's... Um, it's from a band called Melancholin, and the song is Sense and Sensibility. That was Sense and Sensibility by Melancholin, who I hadn't heard of, um, but they are a Scandinavian skate punk band <laughs> from Sweden. Which, hearing that song, you like, I would never guess they're from Scandinavia because they don't seem to have a, it's not an audible accent. Right. Um, and they're singing about um, racism. And then, as you mentioned earlier, the current political climate, you can just assume it's going to be like some 
Southern California skate punks. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That, that it's coming from. But um, I guess uh, these Swedish guys have something to say, too, um, oh. which is interesting because it's like a almost entirely white uh-huh. country. Exactly. Um, and so I, I imagine racism is something that is very common there, too. In its own way. I, I don't know. I, I, mean, I don't know either. Never, I've such never like a peaceful country, of course. But right. I would I'm actually uh-huh. curious as to their views on um, the cultural divide that. Mm-hmm that comes with that. But anyways, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really genuinely curious how you found out about them um, um, and where your connection to them is. You know, it, this goes back to like, you know, where do, like, how do I choose my music yeah. and, um, type of a thing? And it was, it was, you know, I really like, I, I thought like, oh, what's like, what was like a defining moment for me with where my music went and when I, as a Mm. teenager what's that like launch pad for yeah you? exactly yeah. you know what what was what was the song or what was the thing in the generate in my generation that made me all of a sudden realize wow there's a there's there's an energy and a uh genre that understands what's going on like in me yeah um and i and i at first was like oh yeah smells like teen spirit that was the thing that really like of course snapped me from you know, most kids growing up when I when I was growing up, we were listening to classic rock. We were listening to what our parents listened to, and um, and as you know, that kind of breakthrough happened. I realized like my taste for punk music just kept getting, you know, further and further away from the mainstream kind of poppy punk that was that was happening, um, and into the the deeper angsty, angrier, um, subculture of punk. And, uh, what, what I really started to discover was, um, where, you know, and my parents were never ones that were like, turn that down. That's crap. It was never that it was, uh, I think they were really kind of interested, um, in why I chose to hear stuff that was so fast paced and so drum driven and had these harmonic Hmm. screaming vocals that, you couldn't really say that it was piercing to the ears, you know? Yeah. Um, and what I started to realize is even in this angst and this kind of, you know, teenage anger, there was a message that was constantly being driven by punk music within the lyrics that was really um, modern and up up to the present time. And the way that the, the scene moved was very much real time. It yeah. wasn't... I mean, I would even say that even rap nowadays is kind of yeah, yeah, that it's, agree. it's reflective of what's happening right. now. Um, and, and this song sense and sensibility, uh, when I, when I first heard it, I, I found it, um, you know, I have playlists on, um, Spotify and as you go through your playlist then it just starts, turns into like a radio and it plays right, songs right. that are so discover like weekly it. and all that. Yeah. And, and I, and I heard this song and I was like, fuck, this song is amazing it's got so much depth to it. And, and I really started diving in and listening to the lyrics and I'm really like, when I listen to music, I'm very much about lyrics. Yeah. Um, I was a lit major, which I'm not, I uh, mentioned that in all the episodes, but yeah, you're not. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, I think we've had this discussion yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I love the music. I yeah. love like the energy that's behind music, but having been a lit major and I find a lot in, um, words and, and written right. word, um, it, it really fascinates me. And so like to read these lyrics and to hear what this, this guy is saying is basically like, you know, he's saying, I have this way of looking at life and it helps me cope. And basically it's like, um, 
it's like yin and yang. And if, uh, if it means like, if there's like a fast brain that it means, well, then there's some really slow brains out there. So that helps me, you know, cope with what's going on. But at the end of the day, if you're just a racist, what you invoke in me and what you raise in me is the same kind of darkness and hatred that you have because you're so fucking stupid that I am going to go to that place. And it's this constant push, Mm. pull, tug of war Mm -hmm. going on within this person. And I was listening to the lyrics and I went and I, and I found them online and I was like, this could not be more relevant to what is going on in our time now Mm -hmm. between race, between Trump, between guns. Like it is, everybody is at this almost, I think I want to say breaking point Hmm. where they're so passionate about what they feel is right. Right. That they're getting pulled out of their center and in, and possibly into the mix of what this other person has just to prove their point. Yeah. And it's sad and it's, um, and this song for me, really just the energy of the music, the lyrics, yeah, I think paints that picture perfectly. So you're saying that it kind of reflects the like inner turmoil and chaos of wanting to express your frustration with such a backwards way of thinking. Yeah. But also the guilt that comes with like the tit for tat concept or that like, well, am I being as hateful in a different way towards them? Yeah. But also their hateful is so irrational that does that matter? in the conflict. That yeah. That basically. It's, yeah. I mean, like one of the, I think, you know, I, pu- I brought the, I yeah, pulled up yeah, the lines. Um, one of the things I really thought was great was, um, you know, when he says, uh, I always thought I was a tolerant man, the kind that always tried to understand, but there's a darker force inside of me that wants me to be as bad and as sad as you. Hmm. And I think that's very much human nature. I think if you really have a point to prove, emotion sometimes takes over. If you're dealing with somebody else, let's be honest, who's a fucking idiot. Yeah. And, you know, I think racism is probably the biggest stamp of stupidity. Yeah. When somebody is like that, where you're just like, the only way this person is going to listen or understand is if I sink to their level. Right. And you can't, like, how do you do that? How do you justify that when you're like, I can't do that, but I want to, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, um, well, yeah, no, there, yeah, there's always the question of uh, when somebody is truly an explicit, like extreme racism. Mm-hmm. Thing. I mean, uh, ra- there's a degree of racism invoked in a lot of aspects of your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that we've all been guilty of things that are cons- that are objectively racist, mm-hmm. um, despite not associating with being a racist. Just right. the institutionalization of race and and differences between. Um, but then when you see something that is so explicitly on that extreme, and you're like, could you could you actually ever even change a person's mind? I don't think like, so. I don't think you can. Oh. And that, and the rage that comes with that, and that knowing that, like, it seems so inconceivable that a human being could ever think that way, because it's it's evil, it's pure evil. Yeah. Um, and the frustration that you have with, like, it seems so obvious. Why do you not understand this? 
and the rage that comes with knowing that they will never understand that. Yeah. So why are you wasting your energy on somebody like that when there's other people that maybe are more uh, adept to change and acceptance and mm -hmm. becoming better mm -hmm. people? Um, but then separating that out and knowing that even if you do focus on the things you can't actually impact, there's still this, this is still evil exists that's there over here. It's still that, happening. Like, yeah. well, and frankly, will always exist. Yeah. Unfortunately, because evil exists. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, I, I didn't necessarily, I had listened to this once or twice before we started and I didn't, because I'm not a lyrics person, uh -huh. <laughs> didn't connect with it that way. But, right. you know, hearing those lyrics and, and seeing that, um, I could see where, where that comes into play, but as the, you mentioned, particularly in the current landscape. Yeah. The beautiful thing is, you know, in, in this whole thing that he's saying is like, you know, he, he wants, he has that darker side that he wants to be like yeah. it says as bad as sad he wants to meet them at that level exactly yeah. but then he throws up his hands and he can just say you're just a racist clown to me yeah that's it like you're just a you're a fucking yeah, clown you're not worth my time exactly yeah but the acknowledgement and the understanding of who i almost went to that place right is is an interesting yeah. thing and that's you know like i said that's why punk has always been a um uh uh genre that i've understood and really related with it's mm. like there's this energy i think that we just have as humans some of us have as humans i mean i yeah i have friends who are like i don't get that music i don't understand that i don't i don't get why that that drives you um i guess it doesn't matter because it's, yeah, it's what, whatever it means to you yeah exactly yeah. No, i mean i think that's kind of one of the underlying themes of the premise is that hey music takes on a different mm -hmm. meaning to each person and yeah uh, somebody might have heard that song and not connected with it at all. Doesn't take anything away from the meaning that you have about it. Exactly. Um, so it, it is one of those things that was just really funny to uh, to sit there and be like, oh yeah, like I'm going to put this song in there, and it's you know right smack dab in the middle of two genres and two songs yeah. that are the <laughs> complete fucking opposite right. of it. You know. Well, I think what's cool about the selection too yeah. is. Uh, it's it's a newer song. It's like 2015, I think, mm -hmm. is when it came out. So it's yep. pretty new. And you mentioned about kind of the jumping off point where you really got into and connected with punk music. And it sounds like this probably early 90s for you. Yeah. Um, and uh, probably overlapped a lot with, you mentioned Nirvana, which is not punk, of course, grunge. Right. Um, the next artist is a sub-pop artist who, you know, that sub-pop is Nirvana. And the holy trinity of mm -hmm. grunge music of... Um, Soundgarden, Mudhoney, and yep. um, Nirvana, of course. Um, and then, of course, the artist that I'm speaking of that we'll get to in a bit um, has nothing to do with punk music. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which is the beauty of Sub Pop. Thank you, Sub Pop. Um, but it's interesting that your selection is such a new, you know, different form of what is punk music. Yeah. Um, particularly Scandinavian. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that just speaks to the power of, you know, music and genre and the, and the connection to like, I mean, I'm sure there's a black flag song out there that you can 100%. Pick there's a bad religion a second. song. There's a, yeah. Like there's it's, a it's all there, song. right? Yeah, exactly. But for whatever reason, this one connected and I think you've really articulated it well as to why and the story behind that. Um, and I love that. I think it's a uh, year. You got it. You uh -huh. figured it out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did the assignment well, professor. You did. You passed. <laughs> So the equivalent of bringing an apple to the teacher. Yeah, class. there we go. <laughs> but actually, after we finish recording, of course, then uh, we should have a drink and listen to all my punk records. <laughs> I would love that. So oddly enough, I used to have a record player and yeah. all my punk 
was in vinyl. Mm. It was fucking amazing to listen to. That's punk great. Well, on vinyl. so much of it, you know, was only out through physical and yeah. DVDs and stuff, and it's just yeah. what she had to do. It's good shit. Well, yeah. I think it's time to move on to our, our final song, as sad it as is. it makes me. Uh, but it'll be a good one, and um, you know, you're you're really changing it up, and I love it. Running the gamut. This song is called um, Rivers and Roads. Yep. I couldn't read my own handwriting. Sorry, <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Um, so it's Rivers and Roads, and it's by the head and the heart. Here we go. Rivers and roads, oh rivers and roads, oh rivers till 
words till I reach you. Rivers and roads, rivers and roads, rivers till I reach you. All right, that was Rivers and Roads by The Head and the Heart. Like we mentioned just ahead of this from the Sub Pop, Sub Pop group. Sub Pop group. Infamous label uh, based in Seattle that I think paid Nirvana like $800 for Nevermind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it was actually 800 but some ridiculous contract. Google that because it's a hilarious, uh, the whole, the original contract when Nirvana signed to Sub Pop is like on the internet. It's like three pages long and it's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, they left a lot of money on the table. Um, but hey, that's the beauty of uh, their musicians and the course not of lawyers. And um, yeah, man, that's a it's a cool song, and obviously a very different genre from the previous song and from all the other sub pop bands, at least from the '90s. Uh, but really, really gorgeous song from I think their first record, right? Yep, 2010. Ten, yeah. Um, and just a cool, cool track. Uh, not a band I'm super familiar with, but I mean, if you live in Austin, that they play ACL. I feel yeah, like they play regularly. ACL. They've been here a lot, so certainly know the name. Um, and genuinely curious to hear uh, where it's your closer. Um, why it's my closer. Uh, I had another song. Um, I had a couple other songs by one by head, the head and the heart and the other by the Mumford sons um, as my closer. But this one, um, a guy that introduced me to this band. So I, you know, for a long time, and I think, you know, this, I used to work in, um, excuse me. I used to work in, um, bars and restaurants yeah and I worked I worked 21 years in bars and restaurants and so um, a lot of uh, I had a lot of time with people and I created relationships with people that were eh, unhealthy they were you know a pla- yeah. they were on the platform of someone's addiction yeah. um, more often than not uh, but there was uh, there was one guy that used to come into um, a restaurant that I worked at a bar that I worked at and uh, his name was uh, Hysum. And he was this Middle Eastern guy. And he was very uh, brooding and moody. Um, and he, uh, but he loved music. And he loved to make CDs or find bands and make CDs and give them to me. And like, oh, listen to this and listen to this. And uh, you know, he, he introduced me to a number of bands that have since become really big. Mumford & Sons being one of them. Mm-hmm. The Head and the Heart being mm-hmm. uh, another one. And I remember he, he gave me this... Um, CD and he had a, he had a girlfriend um, I forget her name now but she was sweet and it, it was always one of those ju- juxtapositions for me like he was kind of hard edge um, yeah. and she was just so she kind of pleasant balanced it yeah, yeah you know you know, totally like it was like I mean hi somebody I, I like you and I like talking yeah. to you and I this love is cool the opposites attract yeah so and I love it. I love it. your girlfriend is really lovely and yeah. I'd actually prefer to like talk with her you know on a regular <laughs> basis um, right. But, you know, Heisman and I uh, formed a friendship, um, mountain biking, and, you know, he'd come in and he'd introduce me to music and, um, you know, he'd have a couple IPAs and just we'd chat. Yeah. And so he was really riding me one time and he was like, uh, have you listened to that band yet, The Head and the Heart? Have you listened? Have you listened? This was like 2009. It was uh, yeah. 2010, like so right when that album. This is back in California. This is back in California. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so uh, he was in with his girlfriend one night and he's like, have you listened to that album yet? I'm like, man... Like, I get off work, and I go home and go to bed. He's like, just put it in your car. And I'm like, and his girlfriend, she's like, Mike, this song's like, like these songs on this album are like great. Like, you're going to love them. 
And um, so I did. I put the I put the album in on my way home, and I found myself sitting in my driveway at you know three o'clock in the morning replaying this CD. And um, there was a couple songs on it that really hit home, but this one really hit home, and it was uh, mainly because his his girlfriend was talking about um, the fact that she's so far from home and she's never going to go home. And there's this guilt and this, um, displeasure of never Mm. going home. And, you know, the saying is you can never go home. And for whatever reason that captivated me and this song in particular, rivers and roads really, um, uh, it made me want to understand where she was coming from. Um, because, you know, there's a line in it that says, uh, my family lives in another state. And if, um, like, if you can't, if you can't understand this, then we cannot relate. Yeah. And I, I, I really wanted to understand this, like this kind of longing, I guess, um, that I've seen people have. And it wasn't until I moved to Texas and mm. my family's in a different state. No, it's separate. Yeah. That I really like the song means a lot to me. And the, the woman's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things in it lyric wise, you know, as I'm really into, but also the melody and, um, the, uh, expression of longing and sorrow through the voice as an instrument, yeah. um, is something that really, uh, for me cuts down into like my gut and to hear somebody have this, you know, rivers and roads, rivers and roads, rivers and roads till I see you that there's this journey that Mm -hmm. has to happen before you see the people that you love care about. And when you do, when you arrive, you can't go home again. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's very strange. Um, Mm. they, uh, and I never understood it. Like, I really wish I had understood that so I could really... And, and Heisem didn't really understand that. And I think that was a big disconnect for them. And I really wish that I had understood that so I could... Oh, wow. That's... that's sor- It's sorrowful, I mean, to understand, you know, my parents and, and my sister and youngest brother in California. My brother, my other brother and his family are in Idaho. And there's this vast separation the distance that's there and will always be there yeah yeah Yeah. so how do you reconcile that that's a hard one um i think uh i mean of course of course there's um email and phone calls but i think that's you know that's quick yeah i don't think that's um that's you know they always say like handwritten letters like people like seem to really hold on to and really appreciate. And I think that's because there is an actual sense that you've touched the paper, you've written the words type of a thing. Um, but aren't we all so busy? You know, it's like, yeah, it's interesting. So I'm thinking back to your first story about traveling with your dad here. Is it kind of terrifying to think like if he hadn't taken that journey, because you're talking about vulnerability yeah. and, you know, the, there's a shallowness of email and text and, you know, even like even a phone call to some degree. Right? Yeah. 
in the sense that there's topics you cover, like, oh, yeah, cool, hey, how, how have you been, what's new, blah, blah, yeah, blah, and it becomes very in. routine, and it's surface level, and it's, it, it could be difficult to actually open up and have a meaningful conversation mm-hmm. through those channels, and distance is really a bastard when it comes yeah. to that. Um, but by coming here and sharing that experience with your dad on the travel do you feel like that opened up your ability to at least for your dad uh, and yourself to know when it was time to have that sense of vulnerability again, be it phone calls or, or when yeah. you do see each other yeah. be thankful for that. Yeah. That time, it's I guess. Uh, it's kind of a joke that I I've it's, it's, it's it, you, maybe you've heard me say it. I don't know, but like in our group, like with Rick and Tiffany and Katie and Jackie and I'll sit there and say, they'll be, Oh, how are your folks? And I'm just like, you know what? Fuck them. Like nobody's <laughs> coming out to Texas. Like they expect me to go out to California. And I yeah. finally like put my foot down like in July when I was out there, I was like, I told him, I it's said, time. I'm not coming out here yeah. anymore. Like y'all go everywhere else to y'all, see, yes, to you see everybody, <laughs> but you don't come see me. And, and my dad, like, I think has finally heard it. Right. And it's this, all right, you know, like, yeah, cause you chipped away. Yeah. Guys, just, yeah. Can, can, and my, yeah. I think my dad really did see like, huh, you know what we He's do. kind of right. Yeah. We do go to Idaho to see Sean and the kid and the grandkids. We right. do go out to see Carrie and her kids. Right. Right. And it's, and I, I, I made a joke. I'm like, what do I just need to have some kids? And all of a sudden y'all show up and everything <laughs> will be great. Like it's just, it's this kind of thing, but it has opened up this like really sincere conversation with my father and I, yeah, you know, and my mom even, you know, my mom right now, she's just, you know, there's health things and it's funny. Like my mom doesn't fly. My dad does. And yeah. my mom takes the train and she, you know, it's just, oh, yeah. you know, kind of one of these things where you're like, okay, I think it's going to be a trip. And then like, even I start to go into this place of, all right, okay, but you're not going to come out in summer cause it's way too hot. You right. guys will be uncomfortable. Like why don't there's we play on an excuse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. Yeah. So, but that, that song is, um, it's for me. It's it, it's just beautiful. I mean, her her vocals are amazing, and you know to go to um, ACL this past year and and, and see them perform yeah. that live, and it was awesome. Oh, I went. Thank God they performed it. That would have been horrible if they didn't. I oh, hate God. that. Have like your yeah. favorite song. At least. Well, you know, I saw them um, before. Uh, what was that? Twenty twenty thirteen at the Fillmore, which oh, is wow. uh, uh, San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. The cool like Fillmore West, yes, Fillmore West. Um, it was, in, I mean, her voice was as amazing. Like it's crazy, but that was yeah. like in a contained, you know, venue. And here, you know, I was like, I wonder how her voice is going to sound with this song when, right, right, you have all this open space, and it was just as powerful. Just worked, yeah. And you know, and it's one of those songs, and and I think that's the thing is that, is that like a sunset set, like the sun was going down. It, it seems like the perfect sunset. It was song. either sunset or right at, you right. know, like For, let's just pretend it was definitely sunset and it was so magical and it brought tears to your eyes. <laughs> oh, I, I was, saw that, yeah. I was out of my mind. All right. <laughs> and it was, it, it did like, it did bring that song back to me. Like it yeah. made me realize like, Oh fuck, I get it now. Like right. I totally relate right. to what somebody goes through when they move out of state and everybody's everywhere else. Yeah. And, you know, the opening line, like a year from now, we'll all be gone. Yeah. We'll all have moved away. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, the town that I grew up in, um, it, it was a town that it is a town that people really don't leave. 
Hmm. Like if I go down um, to the, the, the town bar, I've been there since 1907, the same fucking people will be out smoking cigarettes on a Friday night. Yeah. It's like, it's weird. It is weird. It's like, in their well, mind, they don't change. And, and what's strange about that, too, is inevitably you say hello and the same questions are asked. Yes. And you answer the exact same way as you always have. And you go, I can't wait to get back to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, a, it's so bizarre. But there's, you know, and the, the odd thing about that is there are people that are from Austin mm-hmm. that would say this, like, why do you want to live here? It's yeah. the same people standing outside the Continental Club yeah. or, you know, wherever. And it's like, well, this is, this is new for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. And yeah, that's why I like that song. It's, um, relatable and it's, uh, and it's beautiful. I mean, yeah. sometimes just for me, I like a song cause it's beautiful. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm okay totally. with that. Yeah. No, I, I very much agree with that. And I think that I, I can't imagine anybody disagreeing. <laughs> <laughs> Prove me wrong. There's a lot of good music out there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, this has been a really good experience. I've this re- has been I've really cool. enjoyed the conversation and getting to know you better. I think I, that's one of my favorite things about this is um, getting to know my guests better. Yeah. Um, the different ways that I know them or, or don't know them. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing all these stories with me. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. It's, uh, it's funny to come into this and there's a level of in- intimidation. And for mm-hmm. any listeners that are going to come on at yeah. some point it's you know you do a great job of there is no judgment yeah. you know there is just i want to hear your story yeah you know what is your story because everybody's got a story and i think all stories are interesting to a degree i agree um i'm glad that you picked that up and thank you for the compliment but um some, a note that i took and i don't really even remember the context but uh i think you mentioned something about related to traveling with your dad, which is kind of like the stories that we never told. Uh, and, you know, when your dad was talking about the tower, you know, like yeah. you otherwise would never have heard that story. It never would have connected. But by some sort of weird coincidence that you drove past that radio yeah. tower, you shared the story and you learned something new about your dad. And I think, uh, you know, we live in a world that is increasingly defined by data and statistics mm-hmm. and what we know about each other and don't mm-hmm. know about each other and where we fall on our gamut. And I think that sharing the practice of stories is something that has been in the course of human history since the beginning of time, beginning of language, even pre-language. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And uh, I think that's why, you know, podcasts and things like that take off is because everybody has stories that are interesting and I love exploring that and giving the chance for each of us to try and find that within ourselves and realize that, yeah, yeah, yeah our lives are, are interesting and, and it is important to reflect on, well, on things and, and connect with that. And I think part of it is, especially through music, you're, you, you're giving a platform in which people say, my story is made more interesting by this mm-hmm. because it's it's a it's a it's a pin it's a pin marker of something yeah. in my life yeah and I think everybody can go back and hear a song and go oh I remember I was making out with Susie in seventh grade right that was my first kiss right. bang you know 
and then so on and Which so surprisingly, forth. surprisingly, 46 episodes into this, nobody no one's... has given me a first kiss song. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> Isn't that I, I wild? Couldn't, I couldn't tell you what I was... I guess I was we're all too embarrassed. I don't know. Uh, all... Well, were we listening to music <laughs> on our first kiss? Probably, yeah, no, I don't know. No, I guess my first kiss was on the side of a hill. <laughs> like, I... Oh, man. First yeah. kiss stories. That could be its own podcast. That could be its own podcast. <laughs> or first things. Yes, yes. Yeah, because I think that's probably... <laughs> I think a lot of people remember their first of whatever it needs to be. But, mm-hmm. um, man, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thank you for inviting me. That was a that was a great kind of phone call out of the blue when you Always. said, hey, man. I've been thinking about it for a while. Cool. Thanks. And uh, until next time, memory tracks. Thanks.